Self-awareness is the cornerstone to constructs such as emotional intelligence. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a show that features open and honest conversations with veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein, Media Coordinator for TVMA. Before we dive into this episode, we'd like to give a shout out to Dr. Hindatu Mohammed. She was a guest on the last episode, but she also wrote a review on Apple Podcast, and we're so thankful. One of the things she said was, the discussions are always so natural and enjoyable. Do you want to have a shout out on the next episode? Now is your chance. The more ratings and reviews we have, the more veterinarians, LVTs, and those passionate about veterinary medicine we can reach. Thank you. Now on to this week's episode. Most likely in your lifetime, you've heard of the term IQ, intelligence quotient, a number that represents a person's reasoning ability, human intelligence. It's measured using a set of standardized tests. The scores can be used for evaluating job applicants and educational placement. But if we take a step back and look at a person holistically, there's much more to someone than their IQ score. How about EQ, emotional quotient? also known as emotional intelligence. This score indicates an individual's ability to recognize their emotions and those of others. That definition just scratches the surface. There's much more to it. And our guest today, Dr. Deb Stone, will explore EQ, when it gained popularity, and why it's so important for veterinarians, clinic culture, client communications, and patient outcomes. But before Dr. Stone discusses EQ, Let me introduce her. She has a PhD in organizational leadership and is a certified veterinary practice manager, accredited from the Veterinary Hospital Managers Association. Currently, she's the assistant director of continuing education and digital education lead for the American Veterinary Medical Association. This means she's helping develop AVMA's digital education platform, Axon. She also owns and operates Stone Veterinary Practice Management. Stone VPM for short, and Vet World Media. But before these roles, she took a job 31 years ago as a practice manager at a clinic in Austin, Texas. This job influenced the trajectory of her career. Through this position, she noticed that veterinary clinics were struggling with a few things. What that is, she'll tell you in this episode. But because of this observation, she felt compelled to go back to school and obtain the knowledge necessary to address these challenges. But let's rewind 31 years ago to paint a picture of what veterinary medicine was like and what she noticed. And in those days, there it wasn't a requirement for a practice team member or practice manager to have a have a degree. Um, but I saw. When I joined a practice 31 years ago, I started off as a receptionist, and I, I just really wanted a job, a job that I thought it was cool, uh, that I thought was cool so that I could play um, in the evenings, play in rock bands at nighttime. And so I got this job um, at an animal hospital, and I had just come from the hospitality world, spent years in the hospitality world, um, learning so many things about um, client service and communication. So I, I didn't want the intense responsibility of 
um, of the leadership role any longer. And I wanted to play music. So I, I got this cool job at an animal hospital. And so I could uh, do work with the animals and people during the daytime and at nighttime, go ahead and play in clubs. Well, what was interesting about that is that it didn't last long uh, as far as me just going to work and going home. I started observing the struggles that uh, my practice owner uh, was dealing with. I saw communication uh, challenges. I saw the owner uh, really um, struggling with, you know, not only practicing medicine, but also trying to be the lead on running the organization. And I just, although I didn't, I was new to the profession, I just thought it could be done differently. And so it really inspired me. To see, to, to see the struggles of, of a practice owner inspired me to, well, go back to school and get my, get my uh, business degree. And um, then I was able to bring back that information to the practice owner, the practice team, and kind of reorg the whole practice so it actually worked much more efficiently. And so the biggest thing, so that doctor, that owner could do to practice the medicine that he wanted and not worry about the business. But what was always very critical. What was always very critical um, is to keep that business owner in the loop. Um, during that time many years ago, there and not every practice had a practice manager. In large part, many of the owners wanted to hold on and you know manage everything and and um, make sure things were you know running well. But what was happening is that they were so pulled in different directions where they they needed to do the medicine, they needed to practice the medicine, but they were so bogged down by all those other things. Yeah. And I tell you what, I tell you what, when I went back to school and I and I um, you know was showing the, the owner the different kind of processes and we kind of reorg the, the association. He saw, he saw the, the benefit and being able to practice the medicine, have a good companionship with a practice manager. And it just really worked over these years. Um, and again, keeping checks and balances, you know, checks and balances were, were and are very important as well. Uh, but it gave him a sense of I can breathe, I can do what I wanted to do med veterinary medicine for and not worry so much about um, the business aspect. And was that at Brody Animal Hospital? Yes, indeed. Brody Animal Hospital, uh, they were my first animal hospital. And actually, they have were my last practice to be with. Again, over 31 years, I've been with them 31 years. And um, as I start, start um, evolving into my role at ABMA, um, it's been th great 31 years. And we're, we're terrific friends and terrific colleagues together. And so I've always had, uh, we always will have some sort of relationship together because they are, they are near and dearer to me, for sure. Yeah. And you started your own company, correct? Indeed, boy. Uh, so <laughs> yes, indeed, that's true. So you know, I you heard that I I got my uh, business degree, um, my BBA, and um, actually I couldn't stop there I, academically. I just said, mm, well, I like the school thing. So then I that worked that I I got my master of my MBA and. And I just wanted to learn as much as possible so I could bring it back to Brody Animal Hospital. Um, so then I also got my CVPM as well. CVPM stands for Certified Veterinary Practice Manager and is appreciated as the highest level of credential for professional veterinary managers. So I really got the bug to really learn as much as I possibly could so I can share with Brody Animal Hospital. And at that point in time, in addition to, to managing the leading Brody Animal Hospital, I, at that time, was also uh, uh, leading and managing 
uh, the specialty practice and emergency practice. So at three practices all at once and being able to put my education to, to work, again, to help the organizations, again, so the, so the, the owners could practice their medicine and then know that they were in good hands with, uh, with the business um, and, again, we would be companions. So it was during that time that I started receiving calls from local veterinary owners, local managers, um, and uh, folks who were in the, uh, the drug industry or uh, in, in the industry uh, reaching out and asking for my advice. And uh, I, it's just something I hadn't thought of. I just, you know, I was just trying to get educated so I could help my, my Brody Animal Hospital and the other practices I was with and just do the best I could and teach them and, and you know, have great success. But then I, I again, it's because when people heard that I, I earned the CV, CVPM and, and had the MBA, I guess that resonated. They thought I knew something. I guess they were thinking I knew something. I mean, <laughs> imagine that. I, what do you mean I know something? Um, so talk about the imposter syndrome, right? So I said, okay. So I realized then with all the requests I was getting that, you know what? There's a, there's a big need out there. So then that's when I, start, I formed Stone VPM or Stone Veterinary Practice Management, uh, a consulting company where I worked with uh, practices across the United States on, uh, and not only these practices, I worked with uh, um, corporate practices, individual practices. I worked with distrib dis distribution uh, companies. Uh, I worked with shelter groups. I worked with all kinds and shapes and forms of veterinary uh, businesses to provide them insight as far as what goes on the day in life of the practice and to help them better connect and better work with each other, better communicate with each other, look at their systems and their organizations so they really can um, really uh, provide better patient care and then have more profitable practices. So, I, 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 yeah, that was uh, many, many years ago. And um, although I don't have a lot of time, uh, a lot of Consulting time nowadays, I am, still people reach out to me. I, again, I'm always willing to give some good advice or some advice that I, that I can share. Yeah. And so something that you teach right now is emotional intelligence. So tell me how you became passionate about that. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Because emotional intelligence um, all along the way um, has been very important to me. And I see it every day. I see the importance to practices and professionals every day and how developing emotional intelligence can really make a difference in their, uh, with their personal and professional outcomes. So I learned about emotional intelligence many, many years ago. And uh, what emotional intelligence is about, and I'm, what, I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm just going to cite Daniel Goleman. For those folks who are aware of emotional intelligence, Y'all know Daniel Goleman. For those who aren't as aware of emotional intelligence, go ahead and Google Daniel Goleman as he really is a great resource. All right, so you could pause the episode and Google it, or I'll just tell you. Daniel Goleman is a psychologist who is known for his revolutionary book called Emotional Intelligence. It was published in 1995, and it has 5 million copies in print worldwide in 40 languages. Time Magazine named the book one of the 25 most influential business management books. He developed the belief that non-cognitive skills can matter just as much as IQ for workplace success. That's really understandable and enjoyable information, videos, links, and he's alive and well today and just really just speaks very um, um, very easily to us so we understand why uh, developing our emotional intelligence really matters. 
So I'm going to sum it up to what Dr. Gold, what Daniel, Dr. Daniel Goldman says that here's da Dr. Daniel Goldman recognizing our own feelings and those of others, motivating ourselves, managing emotions well in ourselves and in our relationships. So a little history on emotional intelligence. Many decades ago, there uh, it was uh, research and studies conducted as far as what are those competencies that are necessary for key performers and effective leaders. Many decades ago, it was very, uh, it was a consistent uh, way of hiring or consistently who we hired for key positions and organizations um, and got into the best schools were those folks who had high IQs, that in, in, you know, intelligence. And so oftentimes those folks with high IQs were placed into some key roles. And further studies indicated that Although there was, they indicated they have high IQ, they weren't necessarily the best ones for the roles to lead a team. And therefore, the studies started, you know, uh, launching as sort of one of those key competencies and emotional intelligence was born. And, and, and then Daniel Goleman, he didn't invent emotional intelligence, but what he did, he took all of this research from all of these scientists and he actually put emotional intelligence on the map through storytelling. How powerful, right? Storytelling is powerful. It really helps you understand, you know, the, the what and how, and more importantly, why. Why does it matter? It, why is it worth it? What can it do for me? What can, it, what can it do for outcomes? And so Daniel Goleman, again, that's why he's very well known, is for putting this on the map. Uh, and there are a few others, but again, basically through storytelling, um, in large part, especially, especially as I entered the, the veterinary profession. And again, many years ago, we didn't talk about these things. Many years ago, we really didn't spend a lot of time in practice talking about business. We didn't really spend a lot of time talking about communicating. We didn't talk a lot of time about connecting well with our team members. We didn't talk a lot of uh, time. Uh, we didn't spend a lot of time about talking about a lot of these things that we're now actually uh, speaking more of which is encouraging. I remember, I would, I would say if we went, I would say, oh gosh, uh, I would say 10 years ago, if I had a room of a hundred people that I was presenting to, and I asked them, I said, who's familiar with emotional intelligence of that hundred, of the hundred group, there might be one person that would raise their hand. And now in that same group, we might, we might see something like uh, a quarter of the room might say, Yes, I'm aware of it. Now, they may not have done a lot of work on it or uh, a lot of development, but at least they've heard of it and have, have had some sort of courses or some sort of training, which is encouraging because it's, what that indicates to me in our world is that we are seeing, veterinary professionals are seeing the benefit of developing our social uh, emotional intelligence. Okay. So it sounds like it's important for leading a team, interacting with team members, um, yeah, t tell me, tell me why it's important, especially for the veterinary community. Sure. First of all, medicine, and I, I never want to shortchange medicine. And, uh, medicine is critical. Quality medicine is critical. Making sure that they, you know, veterinary team members who are providing medicine, making sure they keep it up with the continuing education. That's all really critical. So that doesn't ever go away. What we realized over time, what we realized is that uh, to have a successful business, um, successful relationships, more positive outcomes, that 
we just can't exist by veterinary medicine alone. Uh, there's going to be the interaction with uh, team members. There's going to be the interaction with clients. And, you know, there may have been a time uh, we didn't spend as much time uh, in this area where we thought it was a soft skill. Well, I'll tell you what, this is a, a human being thing. It's a hard thing. This whole human development thing is hard. Yeah. And it's, you know, whether we're communicating with team members as a leader or we're communicating with team members as a, as a, as a, as a team member or an associate or a receptionist, or whether we're communicating with clients mm-hmm. in, emotionally in, char- in such emotionally charged environments, you know, in practices, we work in emotionally charged environments. What, what is that? What does that mean? Well, we might one day have these puppies and kittens come in, which bring us a lot of joy, you know, and we're lo- loving and hugging them. And another, another 30 minutes later, we may um, be dealing with uh, performing a, a euthanasia for, for a long-time patient that's meant so much to us. And all that's emotional. Emotional to the team members, as well as emotional to that, the client. How do, how do we respond to the emotions? And the emotional intelligence really basically is really being uh, understanding, uh, um, you know, I said ourselves in our emotions, but also when we get to that second quadrant, which is self-management, which I should really give you the four domains of self-aware, uh, the emotional intelligence, we've got self-management. It's going, to, it's going to be, how do we manage that? How do we manage those emotions? Um, if we're upset with something, is going off on somebody else, is that going to make something better? If shouting and screaming because we're upset about something, something that didn't go right, is that, is, is that going to make it better? Is there a way we can really manage those emotions so basically we have better outcomes so folks don't feel afraid to approach somebody? When we get to the four domains, the four domains of emotional intelligence, let's lay that out, is the first domain is self-awareness, knowing thyself. What are our triggers? Number two is going to be the self-management. Again, let's say we know our triggers, but then what do we do with them? Uh, just because we, 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 uh, we like, let's say traffic, let's say traffic, we're upset, we don't like traffic. We are aware, we do not like traffic. And then what's going to happen with our self-management? What do we do with it? Well, we could either, hmm, we could either uh, you know, have road rage or we can realize we don't like traffic and breathe. And so again, what do we do with it? And the third domain or, or quadrant is going, it's called social awareness. That's how well we play well in the sandbox with each other. So that's starting to get from the self into others. And then relationship management is going to be the fourth domain plus or, or quadrant that we're looking at as far as that's the time when it really looks like not only how can you work well together, but actually you know, oftentimes you know, lead teams to really help make outcomes better. So is there a test that people take to figure out where they are on those four quadrants? Yes, actually, thank you for that. There are a number of tests and you'll actually even find emotional intelligence is, um, is, um, has become popular to, and yeah. to learn about thyself. And you might find, uh, an emotional intelligence free quiz or something online that, you know, they're kind of fun to take, right? I think all those could be, could be helpful to, to give us some insight. But there's some other, some, uh, some uh, uh, evaluations or assessments uh, that are used and uh, they're used. In fact, I, to be transparent, I actually am accredited and um, provide, um, I'm able to um, present an assessment that's called what I, what's called the ESCI or emotional and social competency inventory, which actually is a, I guess it measures emotional intelligence. And there's some others as well that um, are very robust. And again, it measures the emotional intelligence where we get to EQ. So you've got the IQ with the intelligence and EQ is going to be the emotional intelligence. Okay. 
And so is this a test that you ask? So, you know, you're an instructor for TVMA's Power of 10 leadership program. Um, so do you have the participants take this test? Yes, absolutely. So the, this particular test, uh, the, the SD that I, that I mentioned, that's short for emotional and social competency uh, inventory. Uh, the ESCII is, is, is a 360, and so uh, that's an opportunity. And again, it's an opportunity for development. It's not to judge somebody. It's not to see how are they are they uh, are they failing in an area. It's basically um, allowing an opportunity to learn about themselves and identify areas or better understand areas that could um, be areas of uh, to develop right to develop certain areas. So, the uh, for instance. Um, a participant would would take the um, the inventory. Um, they would do their own self assessment. They provide this, this the inventory to folks in their life to really give some other insight and bring it all together. So you've got the insights of the individual insights of the of, um, folks in their life as well as the their actually um, commentary as well. So uh, that again to give the um, participant insight that might be able to provide areas to develop if they want to. It's a choice, right? So uh, it's an opportunity to learn more about themselves. And then, and, and it's mainly from them. It will be, you know, I will go through the, the, um, the assessment with them when it's um, all complete. And we'll have to talk through that and have a discussion as far as what are those areas that they would like and believe would be important for their lives, personal, professional, to develop. And have you seen a concrete impact on a participant's life where, I mean, I don't know how well you know the person ahead of time, but maybe they've given you feedback on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that I, I, I don't um, have a lot of information as far as any quantifiable information as far as I, over the years that, I, that I've presented the, the ESCII. However, I can say this, um, this ESCII, um, Whenever I'm giving, distributing this inventory, it, I spend time with all the participants to get their insights, even afterwards, as far as what, what were they surprised about and where are they and all. And it gives me a chance to, um, and, and again, it's not over a long period of time, it's not a longitudinal study. However, it gives uh, some insight as far as what they learned. Mm -hmm. It gives insight as far as what they never thought. It gives insight into what they, what, where do they want to go? And it really opens up a whole bunch of doors as far as what they want to learn and where, where are some resources. And, and, you know, if so, it's really helpful to kind of get their input as far as what they think they've learned and the opportunities that they would really want to grab onto and develop. So that's always very ins inspiring to me to see light bulbs go off with these folks and say, uh, boy, I never thought about that. Or else, you know what, I, I kind of thought that was hovering there, but I never really wanted to look at it and deal with it. <laughs> and so it gives an opportunity to really deal with things that that they may never felt comfortable before in dealing with. Yeah. So I've never taken that test. Uh, at TVMA, we took the strength finders test, which is cool when everyone has different strengths because then it makes for a better team. And then in college, I took the Myers-Briggs test. And so I know those aren't, those are very different from, from what you're talking about. But I, I do know that when you see those results, it's interesting because then you learn more about yourself and you've been with yourself, you know, as long as you've been alive and, and you're like, wow, I didn't even know this about me. Or like, you don't even realize it. Um, so I think there's so much value to tests like that. And maybe, I mean, I'd, I'd love to take that test. 
Well, well, thank you. Thank you for that, because you're onto something and you, you're saying something really key mm-hmm. is you're talking about the Myers-Briggs, you're talking about the strength finders and there's, you know, there's all those different kind of right. There's assessments what, that you can take. And I'm not sure if any I'm not sure if anyone is going to be the blueprint for an individual for the rest of their life. Right. However, what does it do? What does it do? All of those actually may have a different kind of way they get information or how they distribute information or maybe what their goal is in getting the information. What they all do um, is, is an opportunity to learn, learn about thyself, right? Self-awareness, yeah. increasing self-awareness. And self-awareness is the cornerstone to constructs such as emotional intelligence, constructs mm-hmm. such as authentic leadership. Actually, again, to getting back to our, our personal successes and our professional successes, you can't really dodge the work of, of self-awareness. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? Why? If you don't take that time, and that takes work, and some oftentimes it's uncomfortable for folks to stop, listen, you know, uh, think about things. What are some pathways or resources? And I think that's really hard. And oftentimes it prevents us from, from doing some, you know, some, some other deeper dive work because it takes time and it's uncomfortable sometimes for women people. And I will say that also when I do get feedback and information back from folks, um, People who have shared that they've taken the time to really, you know, reflect and, and do, you know, self-awareness, it's really made a difference and changed their life for the better. So they are real, weren't really necessarily in, a, in the greatest place in the whole world, um, but they, uh, through self-reflection, they were able to realize what's going on, why are they miserable, and then make the necessary changes. I know that's a really quick story, but the reality is, again, that self, the self-awareness is, is really considered the cornerstone for um, emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, and you just mentioned authentic leadership. Um, I've never heard of that before. Can you tell me what that is? Yes, indeed. Uh, authentic, I mean, absolutely. So very interesting. You've heard of, or leadership scholars study the history of leadership from the beginning of time. We can date back to the good old days of Aristotle in 330 B.C., Along the way, you've heard of uh, leadership models that would be, let's say, situational leadership, say servant leadership, transformational leadership, and authentic leadership is a, um, a more modern leadership model that uh, really started getting buzzed about the 1990s. Authentic leadership is based on and measured on four scales. One, self-awareness. <laughs> Does it ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> Self, self-awareness, ethical, moral, balanced processing, and transparency. And what's neat about transparency and, and balanced processing is transparency is, is that, um, you know, here's my vision. Here's my goal. Uh, there's nothing up my sleeve. You know, here's where I'm coming from. Just being transparent about what an initiative or thoughts. And then the balanced processing is, is when a leader is really open enough to accept in, in, input from others. So there you go. You've got that. Then that's what, what that is, is an exchange, right? So you've got the transparency and balanced processing. Look, at that's an exchange. Well, again, kind of weaves into leadership of being really open and being transparent and, and welcoming people to be part of processes as well as knowing thyself and then again, keeping having our ethical moral compass as well. So that's the area of research that, that I did my, my PhD in. And again, getting to a cornerstone of, of th- this particular construct or model is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So tell me what emotional intelligence looks like in practice. Sure. I think that's definitely been an evolution. And uh, again, this is, this is not quantifiable information or whatever, but in just in my time being in this profession and working in many, many, many practices and, and reviewing, assessing, working, resetting cultures, what I'm seeing a difference in, from days of the past and the 30 years ago is where, again, we didn't talk about these things and in, in, in large part, we wanted to do the medicine and we had long days, maybe no breaks, veterinarians work with how many hours, 60, 70, 80 hours. In fact, I'm sure some still do as well. I know we have a new generation that does not really supporting that right long-term. And so, and again, the, the, the way that we can communicate it and, 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 and uh, many years ago, it, um, it may have not been as, let's say, um, like having the exchange that we're talking about with authentic leadership, that, that comfortable, approachable exchange, right? It was mainly that we've got to do these things. And we didn't really talk too much about that. Oh, I've been so encouraged over time to see, actually see that development where we've got practices are now realizing the benefit and the advantages of having that healthy exchange in -hmm. practice where medicine's important. But again, it's not going to be just about the medicine any longer. It's how we are communicating with our team members effectively uh, so that we are able to provide the best care to our patients and serve our clients and communicate with our clients. We're seeing the benefit of that. And so that's what I see with like the emotional intelligence and authentic leadership uh, are seeing that the cultures of practices as well as I mean, there's other resources out there as far as looking at the importance of culture, the importance of a healthy, positive culture. Uh, there's there's a lot of research on that as well as far as what is the impact on performance on team member performance what's the impact on overall practice uh, practice performance what's the impact on client relationships and retaining clients and retaining our clients when they can go a lot of different places you know clients have a lot of options to go a lot of different places and I know at this point in time I'm going to stamp this here because and this may not even if this will be evergreen I trust for a long time but I would say if we recall this particular time where we're in now uh, you know things are not the same as far as how we're communicating again we've got these times of, of the COVID times basically that I trust that even though we've experienced th- this particular uh, environment for quite a few months now I think that we're going to be dealing and managing the impact for a long time to come, which requires us to be able to be transparent with our team members as far as owners and leaders about where we are so the team can deal with and the, 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 the leaders and the clients can all deal with these stressful times. The nature of practices are, like I mentioned before, are um, you know, emotionally charged. Look at what we're dealing with now, another layer of, of actually many of us working on fumes and being anxious and being afraid. And so what now more than ever, having the ability to be able to, to again, manage our emotions and understanding others and being empathetic, and communicating well, really, really is, is even more important. It's always been important, but even nowadays it's tougher, especially with these, the challenges of today. So I get the impression that this is something that veterinarians have to seek out. Like, I, I just don't know. Is this something that they learn in veterinary school or they come out and they're like, well, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, it's, again, I, I always want to honor the medicine because if you're looking at specifically veterinarians and, and again, I always like to, to educate the whole team because, you know, with, yeah. it takes the whole team, but specifically veterinarians, mainly what they're learning is medicine. Right. And that's, that's important. Right. And I think what's happened in, in the current times 
of, of school, as I do believe universities or veterinary colleges are, are trying to do as much as infuse as much as possible as far as some of these skills so that they can deal, they can manage um, the, all, all of the stresses that they will deal with when they get, when they're in school and they graduate. Yeah. So if we can teach in veterinary you know, colleges some of these skills to help them take care of themselves because it's hard, man. Yeah. Veterinary medicine is hard. I, 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 I love the veterinary profession. It's hard. We've got all those things we deal with. It's, you know, we've got, you know, got the, you know, the clients and all, but you've got like the, the, the medicine, what comes with medicine. And sometimes things don't go well and it's hard on these veterinarians. So if we can teach them those skills in college and the university, that would be so, so helpful. And, and I, I, I do think that, again, I do see more and more uh, college, veterinary colleges are, are bringing in this information to, again, to, to, um, to give them the skills so when they get out there in the world and they're an associate or they're going to open a practice or whatever, they'll have, have an advantage on being able to take care of themselves as well as take care, care of the teams as well. So is there a course on this, on uh, AVMA's digital education platform, Axon? And that is, I'll tell you, that's a really great question. There, is, uh, there are a lot of resources on how we can learn about emotional intelligence. The one thing I'm going to say, easy peasy, people want to get up and Google right now. Again, anything with Daniel Goldman is just fantastic, easy, many of them easy and free and all that good stuff. Um, and I do believe that he also has uh, some courses. I get no kickback from Daniel Goldman, but I have to say, I mean, he does a great job. He really does. I'm so impressed. Um, AVMA is continuing to work on this kind of information, okay. uh, working on... Uh, Working on you know, uh, such information as far as, again, how do we take better care of ourselves, the well-being, as far as communication, um, business, um, all of these things that in addition to medicine. So we are actually providing content for all team members and, and, you know, in addition to veterinarians as well. So more to come on this as we develop more content for Exxon, the AVMA. And just imagine if we're able to better work with teams, you know, feel better about ourselves, being able to manage all of the emotions that come our way in the day in the life of practice, and then learn how to, to work with teams and move, move everybody forward. Uh, those are the kind of skills that would benefit the practice, benefit ourselves as well. So again, looking, still getting back to the, realizing better outcomes, better outcomes and better professional outcomes by again, knowing ourselves, being able to manage our emotions, as well as work better with uh, the teams, work, work better with our teams. Okay, so there's a lot of benefits to it. And so how do we grow and build our emotional intelligence? Number one, the first and foremost, I'm gonna go back to our old cornerstone, self-awareness. Yeah. Self-awareness, self we're not, that's basically where it starts. And that oftentimes is not the easiest or most, most comfortable. You know, we sometimes can hear the impact and the uh, comments from others, but again, taking that time to really listen and learn about ourselves is oftentimes that we don't take. So uh, oftentimes we've got such constructs as emotional intelligence, authentic leaderships and others that we just don't go anywhere because we're not taking that deliberate time. I think that a lot, uh, I've heard a lot of positive um, uh, responses for those folks who do reflection journals, they they write, they, they do journaling to, to understand themselves and taking the moments uh, at the end of the day to maybe just to gain a few moments and finding that, that, that space where they, they take time for themselves and think about what happened in the day 
Uh, what had what were the expectations? Did they have expectations? Again, getting back, what were those outcomes? And what what was the gap between those expectations and outcomes? You know, what another thing? What are they? What are, are they giving themselves kudos for goodness sakes? If I know we beat ourselves up so much, we come home and if we sit down, we might reflect and we're going to beat ourselves up. Can we breathe a little bit and give ourselves some kudos for all the good that we do in the day? So again, it gets back to that self-reflection, self-awareness through self-reflection. Um, all other ways of learning uh, about self-awareness, it's going to be sometimes we are demonstrating a behavior that may not indicate a really healthy self-management uh, toward others. And so some people may be coming knocking at your door and saying, hmm, hmm. Are you okay? Uh, you know, I've been noticing lately that you're, you know, seemed a little, whatever the words are, fried or whatever it's going to be. And so that might be, in other words, maybe our first step in, in developing self-awareness would be somebody comes to us and said, hey, you know, this, that behavior is that really cool. Or it might be our own, we might say, getting back to those life outcomes, I'm not, I'm not liking my job. I'm not liking every day when I leave my job, uh, what happens with patient care. I'm not. Uh, I'm not happy with 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 uh, with my career path. I'm not happy with the people. I mean, reflecting on those outcomes, or I'm not happy with the results I get from my team members. I'm not happy when I when I talk to Sylvia. I don't know who Sylvia is, but when I talk to Sylvia, I'm not happy about those outcomes that I get. Whatever you know. So having that self reflection bit, saying you know I'm not digging those outcomes. So I want to. I wouldn't really understand how I can turn that around. So again, you've got somebody may come to you and say, hold on a minute, what I've been observing is, or I might say, I'm not liking these outcomes. I don't want this anymore. I don't want the same outcomes anymore. I'm going to change outcomes. I want better outcomes for my life. I'm going to better pathway. And another one would might be um, in, engaging in a, in a, in a in a program and engaging, signing up uh, for, or taking advantage of an opportunity that comes your way. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, about uh, the Myers-Briggs or even some, um, some other assessments, DISC, you've got all those. There's a, a, some opportunities that we have in our lifetime where we're given an opportunity to take these assessments. And anytime we have, so that would be an example of learning more, you know, jumping in, learning more about yourself. Some, some of us need some life coaches to check in, to just need some, where am I now, to need some help. So different ways of really increasing self-awareness. It's a matter of um, which pathway will... Um, are you interested in or uh, willing to explore at this point in time? So uh, it's self-awareness, it's tough, but again, it's one of the hardest things to, to do, I think, in our life is to, to know thyself and be honest with ourselves. So on a personal level, um, I imagine you've taken one of these tests, tests. Do you have like firsthand knowledge of how it's helped you? Uh, it's actually been very humbling and, uh, like I said, I will uh, share that I've, I've taken the, so, the same assessments that you mentioned as well. I, I think I've taken about every assessment that, that exists under the sun. <laughs> and uh, again, like they're not all measuring the same things necessarily, but I think that most of the assessments and inventories are in really intended to look for opportunities for growth, opportunities for development. And I think it's, again, they all, the, the, the one thing they have, the, well, the main thing they have in common is what is really learning about, about ourselves. And I've taken, again, every one of those has been very humbling to me. Uh, as much as I encourage folks to learn about thyself and take these assessments, I understand how uncomfortable it can be. Mm -hmm. And I understand, so understanding the process, I, I couldn't step up there in the world and say, I believe in taking these assessments if I haven't done it myself. 
Yeah. It's typically, way, it's typically what I say is, I know. <laughs> I know. Hmm. And, you know, the next thing I'll say is, trust me. And then, and then that gets me in trouble a whole bunch. And trust me. And then, you know, and to experience it. And, and then I, 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 I believe, I, I, I may go out on a limb here, but I'm saying I think that I've realized about 100% a positive response from then the, the, the my my T pet my power of ten folks and anybody I've given this my particular assessment to the emotional intelligence one that although it could be painful mm-hmm. and it took time and they held their breath and they may not have agreed but they realized they all got something out of it when they're able to say okay this is an opportunity for development it's not an attack but that's the hardest thing right you know taking that time and doing your own assessment and then listening to what others may say if it's going to be a 360. It's a humbling experience. It was humbling for me as well. You know, there's some of the response that I got. I said, no, no, uh, no way. I'm the, I'm the queen of emotional intelligence. I am the queen of emotional intelligence. And my, so my self-awareness wasn't as high, wasn't, didn't receive a perfect score. Now, how dare I not receive a perfect score in my self-awareness? So, however, however, if I'm honest, it made sense. You know, yeah. it really makes sense when you talk through these things. And, you know, if you're honest with yourself, and that's the best way to learn, just being honest. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable to, to be honest with yourself. You know, but again, it does, it, it is worth it. And again, it's, it was humbling for me and, and very eye-opening to me as well. And it lets me really understand what others want. So any closing remarks that you'd like to share? Um, I think you've given us a few resources, you know, Googling Daniel Goleman. Um, anything else you'd like to share? Looking at resources, this particular contract, like I said, emotional intelligence, uh, our profession has really um, has caught on to this. And like I said, I saw the movement. I saw the, um, you know, th- this has been, this, this construct's been around for decades. And to see how it's caught on like fire over the last five-ish years, and we have veterinary professionals, very high esteemed uh, veterinary professionals saying they believe this is really um, and, and important to develop, develop emotional intelligence for, again, getting back to what I said over and over, the personal professional successes and their outcomes. That really comes as a whole bunch. And, I, and I'm so glad that there, this particular construct does have a lot of resources out there, mm-hmm. and uh, which is really encouraging. And um, again, I'll still kick back to Daniel Bowman. You can't go wrong. And uh, he's got a lot of uh, videos uh, that you can refer to. And it's, it, if people want to learn about emotional intelligence, basically learning about bison. There are plenty of resources out there for them. And I'm really encouraged by that because I do believe it's well worth it for many of the items I mentioned. It's just uh, so many reasons that I believe there's a net value uh, in really uh, developing emotional intelligence. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time. I definitely want to take one of those tests. I'm really curious <laughs> where yeah. I am in that. It, it's a goodie. It's a goodie. It's good information. So uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. That was Dr. Deb Stone talking about the power of emotional intelligence and the positive impact it has on clinic work culture, client retention, and patient outcomes. Dr. Stone is a national speaker and the founder of Austin City Unlimited Veterinary Management Symposium. I attended this event a couple years ago, and at the beginning, she turned on Taylor Swift's Shake It Off and had everyone in the room dancing. She has such a positive, upbeat energy, and it was a pleasure having her on the show. Thank you for tuning in to Veterinary Vitals. If you're enjoying this podcast and have a minute to spare, go ahead and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom until you see ratings and reviews. 
tap to rate, and then write a review. We love reading them, and we can't thank you enough. And thank you again for listening. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein from TVMA. Thank you.